And the key is the rumen microbiome, because it's in this rumen, in this fermentative chamber, where all happens. Welcome back, everyone, to the Dairy Science Digest. This is a podcast designed to bring the Journal of Dairy Science straight to the ears of dairy producers. I'm Reagan Bluel from the University of Missouri Dairy Team, and today we're meeting with Dr. Martinez Brojo from the University of Wisconsin Department of Animal and Dairy Sciences in Madison. And he and a team of researchers from all across the nation, well, actually the globe, sought to better understand rumen efficiency and how we can accurately determine which cows are equipped with the most effective microorganisms in their rumen to ferment feed. Because we all know that feed cost represents the largest cost of production, so surely this topic will likely resonate with many of you. As we walk the barns and comb the records, chances are you've noticed periodically you'll see that efficient cow that's out there and she just simply performs better with less. And so today to discuss this phenomenon and whether or not it's backed by a heritable trait or an effect of the microbiome she's hosting or some intersection of the two is, uh, is Dr. Martinez to review the article that we're featuring titled Host and Rumen Microbiome Contributions to Feed Efficiency Traits in Holstein Cows, which was released this month in the Journal of Dairy Science. So welcome to Dairy Science Digest. Before we get going, can you please introduce yourself to the audience a bit? Thank you, Regan, for having me. It's my pleasure to tell you a little about what I do here at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. I'm from a small country in South America, Uruguay where we have 3 million people and 12 million cows. So you could imagine how close I'm uh, from the farm and the, and the dairy cows. <laughs> Even more, it was mainly for that reason that I went to the vet school. I'm a vet. Then when I finished in 2016, I did my master working with beef cattle. In 2019, I moved to France to complete my, my PhD, where I work in dairy sheep. So I was more close to the dairy industry. And in February last year, in 2023, I joined the Peña Garicanos Lab at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, where I'm working mainly with methane emissions, rumen microbiome, and cow feed efficiency. Basically, during my PhD, I was working a lot with rumen microbiome, and in this uh, article is what we we try to put together all this knowledge and work with the feed efficiency and know how much we can contribute to this trade using this information. And so you were working with a data set of about 450 cows over a variety of different research projects, but all these cows were housed in a, in a research setting where you could closely monitor uh, daily feed intake, milk production, actually twice daily body weight, so that all of this could be put into a data set to really understand what was happening with that cow. So I think everyone listening can really wrap their head around dry matter intake, right? Everybody's um, mixing a TMR and we understand dry matter intake. But another measurement that you took was residual feed intake. 
and maybe that's a little bit squishier. Could you describe what is residual feed intake and, and why is that measurement important to dairy producers? Absolutely. So just to clarify, in this uh, study, we use uh, data from two research farms, one in Canada and the other one in, in Florida. And these cows belong to different experiments. And we put all together and we, we analyze this data. We include the dry matter intake and the residual feed intake. And basically the residual feed intake is what we use to quantify the feed efficiency. The residual feed intake is a regression of the dry matter intake on their main energy sources, right? So we have the milk energy, the metabolic body weight, the change in body weight, and some other like some other fixed effects. Mm -hmm. So basically what we are trying to quantify is this difference between what the cow is eating and what we expect. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's the measure that we use to identify those efficient cows. And, you know, really what we're looking at is that efficient use of, of carbon. And so often when I'm on the farm, just talking to producers, folks almost get a bit defensive and about a seemingly divisive topic of methane production, right? They, they hear the word methane and quickly almost tune out or turn off when in fact, all we're really talking about is simple chemistry and that carbon molecule, by chasing the carbon molecule, we can learn a lot about efficiency. So can you, can you talk a little bit about why are we so interested in methane production on the, the dairy science side of things rather than the environmental side of things? So yes, I will give you another way to, to think about that because sometimes we are considering the methane as a potential contributor to the global warming, that that is true, but also the methane is a potential loss of energy for the cow. Because in the rumen, during this uh, fermentation process, the bacteria are producing the methane, and this methane is released through the breath and the barb as a loss of energy. So I think that another way to consider the methane is considering the cow, right? And how this methane represents as energy losses for this cow. So if we arrive to reduce the emissions, we not only contribute to the environment, because it's one of the contributors to the global warming, we also will have more efficient cows. We will reduce the loss of energy for this, for this individual cow. If you save that unit of energy, she can translate it into meter milk, right? Um, exactly. And that, that's what she does so beautifully. Yeah. And the key is the rumen microbiome because mm -hmm. it's in this rumen, in this fermentative chamber, where all happens mm -hmm. because the feed arrives and the bacteria and the different microbes that exist in this chamber make the shove and produce what the cows need to produce milk, right? So if we focus on the rumen microbiome, we can have great insight, a biological insight of this metabolism in the cow. Mm -hmm. 
Isn't she a beautiful beast? You know, the symbiosis that's occurring with these millions of microorganisms inside the cow and the relationship that she has as a host, ensuring that they're kept at the perfect temperature. They have the exact buffering solution that they need in order to maintain the perfect pH to complete this fermentation. It's just it's really beautiful. And so as a as a ruminant nutritionist by training, I I'm just so intrigued. I kind of I kind of geek out on this a little bit, but so I'm really glad that you're here to talk to us. Could you describe some of the diversity of organisms that you found in the rumen? You know, how how similar or or different were these groupings of cows that that you sampled from two very different locations being Canada and Florida? I mean, basically what we observe, and I also working with uh, dairy sheep, there are some group of bacteria. So in this rumen microbiome, is like a, it's a microbial community, right? We have bacteria, we have archaea, we have protozoa, and we have fungi. So there is different microbes that are interacting between them. They're, they are creating a, a community there mm-hmm. in the rumen. So basically, what I observed was always the most representative bacteria are the same. Basically, we observe the most abundant bacteria. And also for, for example, to produce methane, they are the methanogens. So we observe commonly the same. Mm-hmm. The problem is, in that case, we have two research farms. Right. Mm -hmm. So we have basically the composition of the rumen microbiome. If they are under the same or similar diet, that will be similar. Mm. Of course, the problem could be if we have research farm where we have completely different uh, diets, Mm -hmm. but that is not the case. They are in similar conditions. So I'm not expecting very different composition of feeds rumen microbiome because if we think in cows that are uh, outdoors versus cows that are indoors. So so there we can imagine that they will have a completely different rumen microbiome, right? Isn't that interesting that that microbiome, regardless of where she's standing in the globe, if she's eating a corn silage alfalfa diet, it's going to be pretty similar. Um, And so trying to tease out which rumens were the most efficient was what you were looking at. Could you talk a little bit about which model best served to identify the most efficient digestion? Yeah, that is a a very good question. So we think the rumen microbiome is another source of information, at least in this paper. So as we work with genomics, and we have a panel of SNPs. Here, we are using the rumen microbiome as a group of microbes, and we use this information to predict some traits. So basically, we are using the information of the microbiome in the mold. We are adding this uh, microbiome in the mold to try to improve the prediction Mm-hmm. Right. So what we did in this paper was to compare what is happening when we use a mold only with the genomic, that is the conventional mold that we are using, mm-hmm. and is what we use, for example, to estimate the heritability. Mm-hmm. But then we add the microbiome. Mm-hmm. So then when we add the microbiome, was simply to add another source of information and try to understand how much of this 
trait that could be residual heat intake or dry matter intake is explained by the microbiome information. Once you combine those together, it really helped describe the dry matter intake that you expected to see, didn't it? Exactly. Because in that paper, what we did was to use the genomic, the genomic plus microbiome, but also genome, microbiome, and data interaction. Because what we imagine is an interaction between the genome and the rumen microbiome. Mm -hmm. That means the host, the cow, is controlling in some way these microorganisms that are in the rumen. Mm. So it's, it's not only an effect of the environment and the diet that she's consuming, but somehow she is actually changing that microbiome also. And, and that's really fascinating. And while, while we might be a ways away from utilizing this as boots on the ground dairymen, I wanted to make sure that all the listeners were aware that this process is beginning, this journey is beginning. Do you see in the future Will this be a selection trait that dairymen can choose from when they're selecting, say, a, a sire? Yes, I think so. And we we were working on that because th that paper was the first part of my work when I arrived at the lab. And then what we think was, okay, but we use the microbiome for prediction. That means to try to predict some trait that we cannot measure. Mm -hmm. But... The selection is another game. So what we say is to know if we can uh, use the rumen microbiome for selection, there are two things that the producers are concerned. If we will improve the accuracy of the breeding values, mm -hmm. that is the, the tool that they are using to select their animals, or the other point is to have data available earlier, right? Mm -hmm. With the rumen microbiome, we need to wait that the animals are adults, just for a curve of the time that the rumen microbiome takes to stabilize in this rumen. So what we are thinking is to obtain more reliable breeding bands. Mm. So how we can do that is to identify those microbes, those bacteria that are controlled by the host, I mean by the cow genome, and they impact on the trait. Mm -hmm. So in this way, if the bacteria is contributing, imagine that we say bacteria that are associated or they are contributing to the feed efficiency and they are controlled by the host, so they are transmitted, we can use for selection. Mm -hmm. But imagine the other case, we have bacteria that they are under a low control of the host, that means the heritability of these bacteria are low, so then they impact on the trait. That means that these bacteria we can use for an external impact. Mm -hmm. Imagine a nutrition. So we give a feed additive, we change the abundance of these bacteria in the rumen, and we impact the trait but that will not be transmitted to the next generations. Right. Just there, that that cow in limiting her ability to release methane and, and therefore hopefully helping our sustainability mission as, as an industry. Exactly. There is another way. I think that there are two different situations. One is how we can use the rumen microbiome for prediction. 
So then in that case, we need to arrive to, we need to add this information in the most to improve the prediction of complex traits. Mm -hmm. For example, the residual fin intake, because to uh, have the residual fin intake, we need to quantify the dry matter intake. And that nowadays is only possible in research farms. And the other game is the selection. So for the selection, we need to identify those bacteria that can impact on the trait of interest, but also they can be transmitted. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if they're not being transmitted, then it, there's no way to really effectively select, right? Exactly. So the selection will be only possible through these bacteria that are heritable. So these bacteria that are can be transmitted to the next generation. This sounds like it's a bit of a preliminary research project. What is your long-term objective with the study of these microorganisms within the rumen and efficiency in general? So my main project project that we have uh, with methane emissions, so we are measuring methane in research farms and in few months we will move to to measure methane in commercial farm, that that will be super interesting. Once we measure methane, we will try to incorporate the rumen microbiome in different ways. So one of the ways is to identify those cows that are extreme for methane. That means those cows that produce more methane and the other cows that produce less methane. Mm-hmm. And once we identify those cows, we will go inside and try to identify some microorganisms that are associated with these particular extreme cows. Mm -hmm. So in this way, we can identify some rumen microbes that are associated with the different extreme groups, right? Yeah. The other point is nowadays, the rumen sampling is hard to do. Yes. It's an important cost if we think to expand this uh, technique. So the idea is to get uh, proxy traits like saliva or uh, fecal samples. Perfect. And then with that, make much more easier to get the information of the microbe. Wow, won't that be interesting? Uh, it's definitely much easier to capture a fecal sample on farm than it is to to pump rumen contents. <laughs> yes, uh, absolutely, for sure. Well, hopefully that will be in close alignment so that we can advance this knowledge even even faster. Doc, this has been very informative, and I I want to thank you for your time. And listeners, I applaud you for taking time out of your day today to learn about the role of these millions of microorganisms that directly impact the efficiency and therefore the bottom line of your operation. I've really enjoyed our conversation, and this has been the January edition of the Dairy Science Digest, which is a monthly podcast project designed to bring the Journal of Dairy Science straight to your ears. We highlight peer-reviewed research articles actively in press. It's sound science that you can base your management decisions around and provide it to you by your University of Missouri Dairy team. So be sure to like, share, and subscribe to get future editions straight to your cell phone. This is Reagan Blue with the Dairy Science Digest, and I hope you have a great day.